All right, ready, Matt? Ready. Oh, John, is that your, like, air oh, or something? God, like, oh, my God, like, hold on. All right, Matt, lead us in. Uh, okay, so welcome to Hey Retriever, the podcast about retrieving. Uh, this is Matt Richmond, and You're this is one of your hosts. Oh, was I? I wasn't supposed to go yet. <laughs> I, I, one of these days, this is gonna. This is gonna. We're gonna nail it. I think we're gonna get it. Do you, okay. So that's Matt Richmond, and I'm John Michael Ryan, and I'm also one of your hosts. And welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, so today's show is a special one because somebody very special is waiting to talk to us, and uh, his name is Isaiah. One might say that he's not waiting to talk to us. He's he is uh, he is very willingly uh, letting us talk to him. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean he's waiting, literally waiting for us to stop doing this and actually talk to him. Right, which means we should stop. Uh, but I, I want to introduce you to Isaiah Johnson, Matt. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Isaiah Johnson. Uh, Isaiah, you and I have, we have agreed that we have known each other uh, for probably close to 12 years. Yeah. And I, I first thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, we, we met through a mutual friend um, at a now gone breakfast place. What restaurant was that where we met? At Coronado? Uh, yeah, Nato's Cafe. Nato's. Right? Yeah. Yes. Nato's Cafe in the Coronado building. Yeah. That's right. And then it became Chewy's, and then it became nothing. Yep. <laughs> Just an empty space. But when we met, we knew nothing about each other. And, and years would pass, and our paths would bring us together again. And what's really fun is in that time, we both pursued our pieces of our careers and, and got good at them. And now we get to work together, which is awesome. Wait, wait. I feel like we skipped a step. What is Isaiah's career? Isaiah? Uh, I, I take pictures of things. Uh, <laughs> I'm what the kids call a photographer. <laughs> Those kids. <laughs> no, Isaiah, I think we've talked about school and those things, but... Uh, for Matt, who doesn't know, uh, run me through how you got into this. Let's start with like college or earlier, Isaiah Johnson. Oh gosh, uh, very very long story short, uh, a friend from high school took a intro to photo black and white class and told me I should do the same thing because she enjoyed the hell out of it, and I ended up taking the class once I got to college and absolutely loved it, um, and transferred to Webster University and started taking every photo class I can get my hands on. And uh, yeah, and here I am. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Do you remember what it was? Uh, like what, what was that first spark that you felt? Or what about photography was it that drew you in? I think it was the technical aspect of everything, but then also the art aspect as well. Um, just the camp, like, playing with a camera, using a camera, and then also creating art as well. And all the chemicals and chemistry that went along with it, uh, which is very exciting for me. And then I was like, oh, I want to be an artist. And then, you know, going to school and realizing like, oh, you can be a photographer that you can do this for the rest of your life and, you know, make things that go on billboards or packaging. I was like, whoa, this is neat. So I just kind of kept rolling with it. 
That's cool. So it's kind of like uh, the the opportunity to use both sides of your brain at once. Was that sort of it? It's like I get to get sort of technical and and gear heady with the camera, and then I also have this challenge of like capturing a story or or composing a frame that means something. Pretty much. I mean, you know, I I think looking back on it, I would have never thought like, oh, here's this here's this one side of my brain that I'm using to, you know, create something or do something. And it was just for me, you know, oh, I get to mix chemicals together and do things with my hands and create things with my hands and, you know, and experiment. And then it was like, oh, crap, I this is also art as well. So I can be as creative as I want in the process. So it just, I don't know, it just both aspects just kind of evolved at the same time. How quickly after school did the chemical part fade away? Oh, God. Uh, after I realized uh, those chemicals were very harmful for me. <laughs> no, uh, I think just, you know, the film photography uh, aspect of life started to slowly dissolve, uh, for lack of a better word. But it just became more time-consuming and, and more... Uh, more expensive as well. And, you know, and everything just became so fast paced. So, you know, you do headshots for someone and they're like, hey, where are the photos? And you can't do that with film photography and, you know, give people the photos the next day or, you know, several hours later. So I think the the chemical aspect of photography, the whole darkroom aspect of photography slowly started to fade. I mean, but I, you know, I still have all of my cameras and my large format camera and my Hasselblad and have all the, the rolls of film down in the refrigerator in the basement and stuff. But it still has a, has a place in my heart, but I don't use it anymore. <laughs> That's something I've noticed about a lot of uh, still shooters. You all have film depositories. They're like, and they're always hidden in a fridge or in a, in a, in a cooler somewhere. And I'm always told, yeah. yeah, yeah, I might use this again someday. Half of the refrigerator is filled with like sheet film and four by, you know, uh, four by five and all of that. Like it's, I'm probably going to use it when I'm like 70 years old and, you know, crabby and taking, you know, moving slow in life and just want to, you know, do headshots or something or portraits of people for fun. But I don't see myself going back to it anytime soon. So people will always ask, right, like, how, how did you get where you are? Uh, so what does that path look like? Uh, Isaiah leaves Webster, starts working. What happens? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it started in, still started in college, obviously. I, I paid attention to a lot of the uh, professors that I had and listened to them. And, you know, they were all working professionals in the industry. So I definitely, you know, took the time to get a portfolio together, you know, and, you know, start my LLC and, you know, start reaching out to other photographers and other studios around town to just kind of get the ball rolling. Um, I will say immediately after college, I kind of, the spark kind of died and I didn't do anything for almost a year, essentially, where I was just like, I don't want to look at a camera. I don't want to do any of this anyway. So, um, but you know, I started reaching back out to people and you know, got the opportunity to work with a local studio. And it kind of just started snowballing after that and started to learn and, you know, work with other photographers and other photo assistants and stuff. And it just kind of kept growing to the point of, 
where I am now. <laughs> I feel like the spark has to die. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, you have to head up. Oh, yeah, to I mean, hit a moment where it dips. Yeah, I think I I honestly remember putting all of my cameras in a box. Like I didn't have, you know, I put my business cards away. I don't think I even, yeah, I just I not to say gave up, but just was like, you know what? I don't even know if this is what I want to do. And you know, and here I am. <laughs> a lot of what I think impresses me, you know, in our experiences working together, because there was that small moment where everyone was like, oh hey. John, can you shoot stills? And that's where you and I kind of linked back up because I was like, sure. And it took me about <laughs> one job working with you for for me in my head to be like, why am I doing this? Like, he's way better than I am. Oh God! <laughs> but the, the the truth is, you know, like after after a while, agencies were going to directors because they wanted to see if the directors could shoot stills, and I understood that. But it really was, I think, one time working with you opened my eyes to realize number one how different your world is from my world of motion. But number two, how good you are at your world, uh, especially because you understand the process on the back end as well. Um, because you don't just shoot, you also know you're retouching. Tell me about retouching. How did you get into retouching? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think once I was in college, um, realizing that... Photoshop was another avenue of photography. Um, and this might sound crazy, but being in photo school and seeing so many other photographers wanting to do the exact same thing, everyone, you know, I think around my time in school, you saw a lot of like Instagram was slowly blowing up and everyone was posting on social media and getting all these likes and blah, blah, and all that good stuff. And I had a retouching teacher who was phenomenal at what he did and kind of convinced me like, hey, not everyone's going to be a photographer. Uh, there's also retouching, you know, and you can do pretty well off in life as a retoucher sitting at home in your underwear, clicking a button and playing with pixels and stuff. And I was like, all right, this is kind of neat. So <laughs> uh, I kind of, you know, got under his you know wing and he showed me some more ropes and I started reaching out to other photographers about you know, learning retouching and um, interned with a studio that did a lot of retouching as well. So I kind of learned a lot in that aspect. Um, actually, some of my first jobs in the industry was retouching. Um, you know, as a photographer, that's not the, the end of the, of the road. You still have to go back home and edit your photos and have to make them look nice for the client or, you know, so I think I kind of lean really hard into the retouching aspect because of that. Matt and I are pretty firm believers in that as directors on our side of things, if you know how to cut your story, if you spend time working early, having to edit your story, it, it benefits you in the creative process. Oh yeah, Matt. definitely. Is there one, is there one photo that you sort of look at in your past that set you on a new course or one that you look back to for inspiration or like the, I don't know, like a breakthrough photo for yourself or, or anything like that? One, one piece. Like a photo that I, that I took? Yeah, that you took. Or I guess another one that you just find inspirational by someone else would be cool too. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess for my own, like my own photography, there is a shot that I took at a, at a restaurant um, so I shoot for a local, uh, food magazine called sauce magazine. And, um, 
they were just like, hey, go photograph this restaurant and just do whatever. And I was like, wait, I actually get to do whatever the heck I want on a shoot and get a little wild and crazy for an editorial shoot. So, you know, I had, I think it was like six or seven people on the shot or in the shot. And they were all just like an eclectic group of people. And one of the guys looked over at me and was like, hey, can we put champagne in the shoot or have champagne? And I was like, actually, you can spray the champagne at me. Like, I don't care. Like, let's get wild and crazy. Um, and ended up doing the shoot. Turned out great. Camera got destroyed. Laptop got destroyed. And ended up getting home and like, holy crap, all of these people have all these different personalities and every other shot or whatever, but not in one shot together. So I ended up retouching, I think like six to eight photos together. <laughs> and it was a, I think it's a really neat photo. And a lot of people have complimented how much they like the photo and, you know, all that good stuff. And it was just nice to kind of put all aspects of what I like to do in photography. I like lighting. I love, you know, the technical camera aspect of things. I like the creativity uh, the creative side of things. And I think that photo showed everything that I wanted or like, like to do. So I think that was probably like a turning point of like, Oh, okay, I can do this. This is fun. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love that image. And we, I think we have it even on the page on the site. Uh, Cause we, the first time you and I put together a book for you, we use that, that picture, but that's also where, that's also where I was like, that's where I learned the, the impulse to want to be like, but do you know how hard it was to get that? You know, like, <laughs> because I, I feel like, you know, the challenge placed on you as a still image creator is you got to catch their eye and then you want them to live in it and then to keep them there as long as possible. Like we can, we can trick that, you know, we can, we can cut to new things. We can flash things in front of them, but you kind of grab them and you have to hold them. And that's something that that picture did for me. Because when you told me it was a composite of all these different things, that's my mind was blown away. Because how do you how, how do you do that? And, and watching you work, I now understand. Um, <laughs> it's a different world. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I look at photography as that people are going to. I mean, for all aspects of media, but you know, for photography people are going to look at that image and stare at that image and take their time to look at that image and see everyone's expressions or, you know, every aspect of it. And so it's like, all right, I really want to take, really want to take my time and make sure that it looks nice and looks good. And yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun process from beginning to end for me. How about the other part of that question that we were sort of asking or, or that I was asking and then you thought maybe I meant the other part We're like, Influences. Uh, are there other photographers uh, in the world, in your life, just in general, that you look to? Oh, yeah. I mean, for instance, like uh, Jerry Ulsman, I think he's recently passed, but he, you know, was a black and white darkroom photographer and, you know, he clipped and manipulated negatives and stuff and basically was doing Photoshop before Photoshop was a thing you know, in the dark room. And I, you know, looking up at him during my, my photo history classes and stuff, I thought that was a really neat thing. I thought that was a really neat way of doing photography and a different eye at taking your image and manipulating it. Um, you know, and then from a documentary style, you know, Gordon Parks was like one of my favorites and, you know, just being able to walk around and stop and photograph someone or catch that, like that moment 
uh, in life, I thought was really nice and a really great way of storytelling to uh, Robert Maplethorpe, you know, who I based my senior exhibit off of, you know, I just love just using the body. I love how he used the body as a, as a canvas basically and the lighting and the, the black and white imagery. I like, I can go on with <laughs> uh, like so many different photographers that have influenced me throughout the years. So when you're creating an image, let's talk about light for a second. We'll, we'll dip into the technical territory. Oh, when, you, when you're looking <laughs> at, at how you can treat exposure and how you're looking at what you're clipping on and I mean, where you're, where you're blowing out on highlights, um, where does your head go when you're, when you're looking at an image through your viewfinder and saying, this is okay. How do you, how do you evaluate your exposure? Whew, uh, I think honestly having a good digitech there to tell me, uh, <laughs> that something looks off or wrong or underexposed or overexposed. Um, but I, I think honestly, just, you know, looking at things and saying, you know, is this manageable for me? Is this something that I can go back home and edit or go back home and, you know, make it look better or right? I don't necessarily sometimes on set take too much time looking at images because there's all many, like so many things going on. There's an art director, there's, there's crafty and I want Skittles on the table. Like I, there's pets or, you know, dogs or whatever running around the, the steak is about to lose its color. So like most of the time I'm like, my mind's in so many other places that I can barely focus on the image itself, which sounds weird. Uh, so I always make sure I have a nice digitech there to be like, hey, this is a little bit overexposed. You might want to check this out. Or, hey, there's zero detail in that dog's fur. Uh, you might want to bump your exposure up a little bit more. So I... I tend to not rely on photography. It's just myself. There's a, there's always a team of people that's there to help me out and correct my wrongs when I'm on set. So yeah. Teams are everything. Right, Dane? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Dane said yes. <laughs> uh, so, okay. I just, I just, I, I fanboy on your process because I've learned most of what I've learned through your process. Um, Talk to me about food photography. I, like the, the biggest question I think people always want to know is, is it real? Is it fake? All these different questions. <laughs> but, but a lot of what you work on is real. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've been shooting food for a few years now. And I think every time we've shot, it's typically real food. Um, I think sometimes that steak is probably sitting out. I keep thinking about steak and I don't even eat steak, but like <laughs> the chicken breast is like out on set for hours at a time. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, brushing it with, you know, soy sauce or something to give it a little bit more color or taking it off set and putting it back on the grill, whatever, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things that go into food photography. Uh, but for the most part, everything I typically shoot is actually real food. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of chefs that put a lot of time and effort into the process and the way it looks and the presentation and everything, which makes my job a lot easier. I work with some really great food stylists that, you know, really care about their craft and how the way, it, you know, the food looks and what's the proper way that it looks. And, I'm looking at it as, oh, it looks pretty and this is what the client wants. But, you know, there are people that are like, no, this, those grill marks are way too thick or like they need to be thinner. That's not real or that's not logical. And I'm like, 
okay, but it looks pretty anyway. So whatever, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, like I said, I work with a lot of people that really care about the food and the presentation. So it makes things a lot easier, especially since it's real food for the most part. So, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of illogical looking food. Like that <laughs> Food just doesn't, doesn't look like it's thinking things through. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go Sometimes ahead. you don't know. No. <laughs> so, what would what would you say right now is your area of expertise? Like, what are the things that you that you would say this is what I shoot? Oh gosh, I that's a, a tough one for me because I I feel like this week alone I've shot food, product, and animals. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> like I I really can't. And it's only Thursday. Yeah, I've shot like so many different things already this week. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can put a finger on any particular type or style of photography right now. I mean, cause I really, you know, I, not to say I'm better at one thing or another, but I have an interest in all of it. So it's, it's, a I don't know, keeps me, keeps me going actually. Cause I think I would go insane if I just shot food all the time, or if I just shot, you know, steak all the Jesus Christ, why do I keep thinking about steak? <laughs> if I just shot like one one particular thing all the time, I would go insane. So I don't think I have any any particular thing that I like to focus on right now. What do you want to be doing? What what what's what's the like project that you you are striving for? Ooh, a photo shoot with Beyonce. Um no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that I mean, that sounds like a legitimate goal to me. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I don't have any. Let's just say I don't have any like set goals for like this is what I want to be shooting right now. I'm just kind of enjoying what's happening and enjoying what's coming across my plate right now. I don't have any like. By the end of this year, I need to have photos of this person, or I need to have an editorial shoot in Vogue. I'm just like enjoying the the process right now and learning as well. I don't want to jump into anything and mess up. <laughs> do you enjoy it in such a way that you like? Do you take your camera everywhere? And like when you're on vacation, are you shooting, or do you put it away and just think of it as I'm going to enjoy work on work days? I have gotten to that point now that I do not bring a camera with me. Um, I used to travel um, for a client um, with another studio, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But where cameras were like glued to me, like I always walk around like two or three cameras and my backpack had cameras in it. And I I didn't pack enough clothes because it was always camera gear, camera gear, camera gear. And, you know, and I got to travel, you know, to a lot of different countries and places. And now I've gotten to the point of, I did not enjoy any of those places because I had a camera glued to my face. <laughs> mm. And I look back at it like, great, I got some good photos and good imagery. But people say like, oh, where did you go while you were in this state or this country? I'm like, I cannot tell you. Or like, what did you do? And I'm like, I think I have photos that show it, but I don't recall actually what city we went to. I don't tell you, I can't remember the restaurant we went to. Like, it's all a blur because I was photographing it and, you know, and so I've now taken the approach, like any vacations, anytime I get away to leave the camera at home, like I have a, I have an iPhone. If it's something that I want to take a picture of, or it's a pretty sunset or, you know, a sea turtle on the beach, 
fine. I'll take a photo on my iPhone and upload it to Instagram. But I think once I am on set or once I'm shooting for a client or something, that's when I have my camera. But I'm kind of enjoying uh, enjoying enjoying life right now. <laughs> Talk to me about your approach to Instagram, especially about how you share your personal experiences, because I respect it a lot. <laughs> so I this year I, I told myself I will not post on social media every day. I will not post on my story. I'm not gonna I I, I have 30 minutes a day on all platforms of social media. Like I want to enjoy life. I want to sit in my backyard and do absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, and so I, I've now taken the approach to only posting on Sunday and it's my, my weekly roundup. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a super clip of everything that I've done for the week, whether it's hanging out with friends on photo shoots or whatever. So um, I've just, I've used that to kind of distance myself from social media. And it's, it's just honestly out of the fact of, I know that social media is a huge part of our life, our lives right now, but I, I think there could be some boundaries and that's my way of setting a boundary with social media. So, <laughs> Matt, do you agree? I, yes, that even that's more than I could do. So that's, but yes, I'm all about those boundaries. <laughs> that's a conversation. I mean, I will. <laughs> I mean, I love social media. I think it's great. I've connected with a lot of people and met people and all of that fun stuff. But I, I just, I could live without it, basically. <laughs> yeah. How much of that came about during the COVID twist? Uh, just kind of getting shut in and, and thinking, or was that already in place mentally for you prior to COVID? Honestly, it happened after COVID. Well, I guess we're still in COVID. Anyway, but I mean, (laughs) I don't know what part of COVID we're in right now. But um, I I honestly think probably during COVID, I lived a very boring life (laughs) because I was sitting at home all day and not doing anything. Um, And so, you know, to see, you know, scrolling through Twitter or, you know, Instagram, and it's the same things over and over. It's like, all right, why am I what is it called? Death scroll, death scrolling now, or you're just scrolling nonstop and you've reached the end of the internet and then you just do it all over again. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's just like, I'm wasting so much time in my life. I could be learning something new, watching some tutorials or something or reading a book. And honestly, I, I think that was my, um, my 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 moment of realizing I just don't need to be on social media because I could be learning other things or doing other things. Well, and this yeah. this brings us to the most important part of the episode. Uh, this is the part where Dane is going to put some really cool music and it's going to really intro us into uh, what I really want to talk about today. Oh gosh, plants! Bring it on! I want to yes. talk about plants, Matt. I I saved this from you. I didn't tell you this. Uh, as you know, Isaiah, Matt is a bit of a gardener. Um, but All right. I, Isaiah, tell me about your love of plants. Talk to me about the green thumb. Woo. All right. So, <laughs> so my grandmother was a huge plant lady. Like every photo of me with my grandmother has like plants everywhere in the background. So like things hanging and dangling and just plants, plants, plants. And I think I've just develop the love of plants because of her and like i like right now like my house is filled with like over a hundred plants um it's it's kind of ridiculous but um i don't know i just i love it it's it's nice it's my favorite color it's they're pretty they're 
all my plants have names and obviously I'm getting really excited about this. I'm like yelling <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> I like, you know, I, I have a, a, you know, a glass of bourbon while I'm watering them usually. And I'm dancing around the house. I, I just, I take my plants very seriously. <laughs> like my garden as well. I you know, actually just pulled the, my second zucchini from the garden this morning. Like my tomatoes are looking great. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I love my plants. I love my babies. <laughs> spend a lot of time with them it's a it's a problem (laughs) i i feel the same way although i'm much more of an outdoor gardener i can't keep everything alive inside especially through the winter i i don't i don't i I, it takes a while to figure it out i guess because i just haven't figured it out some some plants i have some i haven't oh i absolutely love it uh it's just a fun passion that i have it's a very random passion i think because i I at one point didn't have that many and out of nowhere I just started buying more and more plants and I was like wait you can propagate plants so you can clip a piece of a plant and grow more and like I was like wait this is a whole new world and then it's like plant sharing with people and like your friends will come over and like leave a plant then my mom would give me a plant and it just like kept growing I was like all right, this is insane. So uh, now I've kind of scaled back a tiny bit uh, with buying plants, um, a tiny bit. But, you know, like right now we have the outdoor garden. We have all the the plants and the coleas and the hostas and all of that good stuff in the garden. I'm just like, it's it's a little out of hand. I need to slow my roll. I think that plants are oftentimes overlooked by so many people because they're they're perceptibly everywhere. But we don't understand the diversity. We don't understand... What's an invasive species? What's a native species? We, there's so much about the world True. around us that people just don't know. I mean, grass is the greatest story. I mean, it, it takes people <laughs> so long to even understand that most grass they see isn't isn't native grass. It's 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 seed that's brought in and thought through and bred over years to like just grow green and normal. Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I did not even think about that at all. Now I'm curious to see what kind of grass we have, <laughs> right? Like, but I, I think that you know, you go back to J.R.R. Tolkien and the Ents and and this world of of trees fighting back. You know, all throughout our childhood, True. right? Fern Gully, um, all these different movies and things that are about nature saying "fuck off," and it's it's. I think there's something to plants um, in that you're nurturing an entity that really for the most part, cannot care for itself. It's dependent entirely on weather and water. Exactly. It's, it's No, which I, I, which I think is, is the fun part, which is why, like, you know, I take my time with watering. Like, it probably takes me, like, several hours to water plants just because I'm like, you know, I want to make sure that they're, they're getting what they need. I want to make sure they're getting the right lighting and they don't have spider mites. And, you know, they, I'm rotating them around and I'm putting them in the best environment. I got to make sure that the humidifiers are, you know, going. And I, it's a, I don't know, it's, a, it's something fun to do. It's not, I don't know, it's like a nice nurturing and exciting And you've thing named them and you're, you're, are you having conversations? <laughs> okay, this is actually kind of funny because I, so I, I usually am like playing music and like singing and dancing around like while I'm watering plants, which is <laughs> probably why it takes me several hours to water plants. <laughs> As my fiance is looking at me like, yes, it takes you too uh-huh. damn long to water plants. Like, <laughs> why, like, why are you still watering plants from this morning in the evening? Um, but yeah, like some of them have names, like some of my older plants have names. Like 
you know, like from like contemporary uh, artists and stuff. So like Nicolaine Thomas or like, I, like Gordon Parks is like one of my plants or whatever. Like, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I know, but That's I want to make sure when people take care of my plants that I'm, they're like, they have names for them so they can talk to them and oh, maybe <laughs> that's the step I'm missing. Maybe I need to start naming them so they name your babies. You know, right. Then then I'll I'll work harder to keep them alive. And <laughs> spend a, more time watering. There's a lot of studies that talk about how, how voice and how tone impacts plants. I mean, whether through studies about like mold development on rice and containers <laughs> to how it actually affects legit just plants that are growing. Plants respond to positivity. It's a big thing. I personally think so. <laughs> you can't feed plants with negativity. They won't grow. Come on now. No. <laughs> okay, so also I have to stop screaming at the plants. This is true. Um, okay. I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> well, Matt, do you have any additional questions? Uh, no. That seems like a great place to wind things down. Isaiah, this is the part of the Hay Retriever podcast where we ask you to set for us the tone acoustically. And, and what Dane's going to do, Dane's going to use the magic of editing to, to build a soundscape that will serve as the basis of our outro of the piece. So describe for me, if you will, the perfect afternoon. Oh, gosh. The sounds of the perfect afternoon. The sounds of the perfect afternoon. Um, I guess birds chirping, no... Cars driving by, no helicopters, just nature and uh, the wind blowing in the trees. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the clink of a glass? Yeah, clink of a glass or like the ice hitting the edge of the glass as you're like reaching to sip it or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can hear it now. Lasers? Uh, lasers? I guess just throwing out ideas. Or, uh, I guess there's lasers now. I, I, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's that we try to do it. Well, Izzy, thank you for sitting with us and talking. Uh, we love you very much, and I I am excited to continue working with you and to do more together. Yay! Here, here. Oh, this has been fun and very different. It's great to work with both of you guys. So I'm excited. Excited to keep it going. Uh, Dane, before we hit stop, um, I just realized I think I've got a dehumidifier running. Should we start over? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it from the top, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Hay Retriever Podcast. This is Matt Richmond. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks, just Isaiah. Kidding. Just kidding. See you, everybody. <laughs>